Good morning, DJ and PK at 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome in on a Tuesday morning. Utah Jazz at home tonight. They're hosting the Sacramento Kings. One quick home game. Then right back out on the road, headed off to the southeast, Atlanta, Miami, and Orlando. We will get to that coming up. We'll also get to Monday Night Football coming up. The Chiefs looked uh, adequate, beat the Giants. Don't look like a playoff team. They're four and four, playing three division leaders in a row before they get to a bye. They're going to be four and seven, five and six. Watching them play the Giants, it's hard to believe they'll be any better than that. We'll get to that coming up as well. Right now, though, we're going to talk college football: Utes, Cougars, Aggies. Three teams, all in good shape. Heading into November here, we've got the Utes in first place in their division, the Aggies in first place in their division, BYU seven and two. All of these teams have what look like two gimme wins on their schedule. You you can turn the ball over three, four times and blow any game. But the Aggies ought to beat New Mexico and New Mexico State. The Utes ought to beat Arizona and Colorado. Honestly, they should beat Stanford, too. And BYU, Idaho State, Georgia Southern, they should be 9-2 and going to USC. And I'll be favored in that game. 10-2 and is very doable. So we'll hear from the coaches, the state of their teams, what they're thinking. They will not take them three games at a time. You can count on that. That's for me to do. And I just did. Let's start with Utah State coach Blake Anderson with PK and I. Coach, good morning. Good morning. Coach, you weren't down by 10 or 14. There's no <laughs> dramatic comfort by you were up by 30 and you won by 20. And then I listened to the post game and like you were pretty cranky. You felt like you they let you let him off the hook. Was that you being a coach? Did you have to, or did you you have to say that kind of stuff? Or when you watch the films, you think, yeah, we were better than I thought. No, I was I was a little cranky. Um, you know, I just when you get a, we gave up a ten point run, we gave up a fifteen point run, we made a couple of really silly mistakes late. Um, you know, that's one of those games you just want to go ahead and put away, and we let those guys back to a thirteen point game, and it, it, with a lot of time on the clock, I'm like, wait a minute, we're not doing this again, are we? But um, we made a few plays down the stretch, a couple kind of unique plays. You don't normally run a onside kick back for a touchdown, so that was. Uh, that was one we didn't expect, but it was a good win. We came out and played early, played played well early, which is something we've struggled to do most of the year uh, to get up seventeen to nothing. But but then we did let them go. We let them go on a ten point run. Got a little, I think, a little. We relaxed a little bit. That was frustrating, and made another run at them in the third quarter. And and then again, we we make some mistakes and let them back in. Just want to see us play a a complete game where we kind of avoid those. Lapses and and so that was where the frustration came. Couple personal fouls um, of guys just kind of acting outside of character. Little things that get you beat against a really really good football team. Fortunately, we were a little bit better than them, and, and especially Saturday. Uh, you know, never felt like that um, that it got away from us. Just some signs of things I don't want to see. You know, that could hurt us in the future. With the energy that a new coaching staff was going to provide, combined with the amount of new players that you were bringing in, I didn't buy that it was going to be bottoming out with only two or three wins and you're going to be pathetic. I know some folks might have thought that. But at the same time, I didn't know that you would be vying for a division title and maybe beyond that we'll see how this goes i had yet the five or six win total possibility of getting bowl eligible and now you're already obviously bowl eligible what does that mean for the program your first year for these kids that are here now but also the message it sends to prospective players oh that's huge i mean that's that's you're trying to build a brand and and exceed expectations every year raise them uh so that 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 you know, we want to be in the mix. Uh, you know, we didn't really talk about how many wins or bowl eligibility or anything. We haven't really up to this point. Uh, we just talked about trying to be the best team. This team was you know capable of being, and and I, I don't really understand the league. I don't really know the league. We're learning one week at a time what what each team looks like, and it's extremely competitive. I think if you look across the board in the league, a lot of people beating each other up on a weekly basis. A team win one, you know, wins one week. Next week, they can't get it done, and so we're very fortunate that we're in the position we're in with this toughest schedule that we've had early. And you got to give the guys credit, both the guys that have been here that went through one and five, that went through a, an ugly transition, and also the guys that chose us, you know, in the transfer trans, uh, portal and and decided to come be a part of a team that had gone one and five. So 
there's a lot of people that have made this you know possible, and we're not done. We're still focusing on being you know one degree better daily, trying to take one and zero mentality each week. But excited that we have you know really some some really cool things ahead of us if we can just keep improving. Well, coach, as someone who's uh, followed the league since San Diego State came in more than forty years ago. I thought you could get four, five, or six wins. I had no idea you'd be battling for eight, nine, or ten wins, and that's clearly where this is going. But it does seem like the risk is that the guys mess up a game because they get fat and happy. And I wonder how much you're staying on top of them. Like, this is great, but at some point when people are winning more than they expect to win, I've seen teams in multiple sports, pro and college, yeah, it's too easy, and they just let one slip through their fingers. It should never happen. So how much do you have to stay on the team about that? Well, that's that's the message every day. We'll meet today, and that's what the message will be today. I'll obviously pat them on the back for some good things they did, but but there's going to be a lot of today's meeting that's going to be the, the things we did poorly. We've, uh, we've been very, very critical all year long. I think um, – we're very quick to praise them for great effort and attitude, and we're also just as quick to hold them accountable and be very hard on them for mistakes. I mean, making the play you're supposed to make, I mean, you shouldn't get patted on the back for that. I mean, that you should get patted on the back for, for unbelievable effort and energy, which is what we, we thrive on, because we're not more talented than the people that we're playing. I mean, everybody looks as good or better than us, so we got to out-athlete them in, in space and out-effort uh, them in space, and and so we praise that, but then we are very hard and, and hold each other very, you know, highly accountable for mistakes. And, and in this game, we had several. We created two turnovers that were self-inflicted. We had some personal fouls that were after the play because of bad poor choices. We had some busted coverages that let them back in the game uh, when, when really it should have been put away. So those are the things we're going to spend our time on because you're right. It could very easily be a deal where we, we overlook an opponent this week Particularly, that's not a conference game against New Mexico State, but but clearly it doesn't affect conference play, and they're not having a great year, and it's a rough, uh, a tough road trip, and we've got to be we got to be super focused on being the best team we can be, and, and not looking at the record, looking at the standings, or patting ourselves on the back. It's a good way to get beat. Offensive line went uh, what eight sacks to one. I don't know how much of the level of the competition matters in there in determining the number of sacks, but evaluate their play against Hawaii. Well, we we ran the ball fairly well. You know, the numbers were not gaudy, but but effective, and, and that helped. We we were strategic too. Now you got to give Colorado State credit; those dudes can rush the passer. I think we've seen that every week. There's a reason they're ranked as high as they are defensively, and we got exposed. Now I thought we were a little bit smarter. This week, uh, with, with just the game plan itself, we, we did change the launch point a little bit. We did try to slow them down a little bit. But the ability to run the ball and stay ahead of the chains helped dramatically. And we're starting to get a couple guys back that have been out uh, to injuries. And hopefully over this week we can maybe get, grab another guy or two. The, the, the biggest issues we have right now are depth and, and, and health on the O-line. That has been a problem for several weeks. And it, it got exposed a couple weeks ago. We did a much better job. Saturday. Hawaii is good. They're not as powerful. They're quick and have speed, but we did manage it better in this particular game than we have in the last couple. You know, we understand you're new to football on this side of the country, so you don't know a lot of these teams. It's unusual. Hawaii's played New Mexico State twice. You just played Hawaii. How much does that help educate you for this game coming up? Well, I think it'll help. I think it'll help a little bit. Now, I've, I've played New Mexico State a ton, to be honest with you, yeah. in my career. Uh, several leagues that we crossed over and played and having spent time at New Mexico and know their head coach, Doug Martin, really well. I think he does a great job with, with Les. I don't think he has given a ton of resources, and it's tough to recruit there, but he always is right in the fight. They always find a way to score points. I think seeing them against Hawaii has got to help us just in terms of the, what this guy looks like, how he runs – Physically, what do you, what, you know, what the matchups are going to be like, and and off, offensively, their system is at least spread out enough that you get an idea of, of how New Mexico State might want to play us. So it does benefit us some to to have a couple games to look at uh, against them. As you said earlier this year, I think before the season, you and I, with our Jonesboro background, since we've been to the mall there, we are family. Uh, so I followed uh, Jones uh, Arkansas State a little bit. Uh, 
Don't know on uh, game times, though, as if you play a lot of day games. And on this side of the country, you tend to play a night game. I'm just wondering for you as a head coach, you play a day game in a beautiful setting, you win. How relaxing is it on Saturday evening then without all that stress? You know, it's funny you say that. Uh, I was walking through the hallway at 4.45 in the afternoon, and um, Coach Zuck, our linebackers coach, was sitting in his office. says, you know what's, what's even better than winning a game on Saturday? And he said, what? I said, winning one and being done at 4.30 in the afternoon where I can go watch other people stress out all evening. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There's the uh, only thing better than that is winning one about 11 a.m. But it was, <laughs> hey, we had great weather, uh, super good crowd as usual. And, and to get a win, I thought this was a key win. I, I really did. We've battled hard to get this point. We just didn't know exactly what we were up against. There's a little bit of an unknown as to what we would see from them, how they would travel. I had a lot of respect for them out in space. So I, I, there was a lot of stress going into this particular game of the unknowns. We responded well. We won. And to be done about four thirty-five o'clock in the afternoon and be able to you know, flip channels and enjoy family, that's, that's a great feeling. So did you watch San Diego State-Fresno State? That was an awfully big game I, in the other division. I, I did watch it. I did watch it. And, uh, you know, that's two really good football teams going at each other. Uh, I, I wasn't sure how that was going to finish up. But, uh, you know, I, I, I knew both were really talented. I was kind of surprised at how it finished out just with how, how well San Diego State's been playing defense all season. But uh, that side of the league is, is beating each other up on a weekly basis as well. And, Still a lot of big, pivotal games to be played in the next three weeks. Going forward, what's your running back situation? Well, we've been by committee, and Calvin Tyler it was out this particular week with right. a broken bone in his hand. He will be back. He probably could have played on Saturday. It would have, it would have been probably pretty risky to put him out, although he was ready and dressed. And, and luckily, I just thought the other guys came in and did a good job. And, and you're seeing several different guys play. Uh, Noah is, has run the ball really, really well, played physical. I mean, the very first run of the game kind of set the tempo. We handed off power, and, and he broke two tackles and popped an explosive. And I think it just kind of gave everybody a spark, like, all right, here we go. Um, you know, John Gentry's coming in giving some, some reps. Lockheed's doing the same thing. We, we'll, get, we'll get Calvin back, and, and I do think we miss him in the sense he's a veteran guy with, uh, with a skill set that really – he can do everything we need to. He gives us a little bit of a burst. He's probably the the fastest of the group, and we've seen that a couple times this year. Uh, but it, it is still going to be a little bit by committee, I think, as we move forward because each one kind of brings something different to the table. Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This late in the season, what do you think about going out of conference? It's not that – you know, for me, I haven't done it very often. So I think it comes at a good time uh, to some degree, you know, just kind of take the pressure off of, of you know, that winner go home mentality that conference play comes with because we just, we are obviously in, in the lead in the standings, but there's no wiggle room. We don't, we can't afford to give one up. And, and so it takes a little pressure off there. Um, but it's, to me, I mean, it's, it's, it's a pride game. It, it kind of tells you who your team is. Um, you, can you go on the road? It's not a beautiful, you know, it's not going to be a packed house, beautiful trip. It's a little bit of tough to get there. You, you typically go through El Paso and, and, and have to drive over. It's not, a, it's not a packed house environment similar to what we felt at Vegas. So it's a little unique to be playing a game this late in the season that doesn't impact your conference play. And so it's a chance to find out kind of how mature we are. Well, you don't have any wiggle room in conference right now, but you will if Fresno State at home beats Boise State. Yeah, we we uh, we may be pulling for Fresno this week to be honest with you. So, not sure that'll add any points to the board. That should be a great game. Should be a great game. We're we're in good position with uh, the tiebreakers uh, with the rest of the guys in the league. Obviously, Boise uh, they're going to play they're going to play lights out to try to maintain their their chance as well and all we got to do is just take care of us I mean that's to me we just need to focus on getting better still made enough mistakes to lose the game we improve this week and, and see if we can just one week at a time be a little bit better football team well coach thanks for a few minutes we appreciate it and we will talk to you again next week good luck in Las Cruces thanks guys take care there's Utah State coach Blake Anderson when we come back Utah football coach Kyle Whittingham stay with us 
It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Aggies take a break from Mountain West Conference play for a trip to New Mexico for a showdown against New Mexico State. Catch all the play-by-play action this Saturday, beginning with the Aggie pregame show at 1. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It is time to hear from Kyle Whittingham now. The youth getting ready to play Stanford on a short week. The Cardinal lost three in a row, four out of five. If it sounds like the youth should win, well, they should win. But you never know because Stanford's only win in this five-game stretch is over nationally ranked Oregon. The Ducks' only loss of the year. So, what will the Utes do against a team that rarely runs for 100 yards? And almost always gives up 200 yards rushing to the other team. You would think the Utes would dominate. Kyle will talk about that. Quarterback play. Uh, Devin Lloyd returning after uh, 30 minutes. Now they get him for 60 against Stanford. Here is Kyle Whittingham. First thing I want to say is uh, congratulations to my good friend uh, Gary Patterson on a great career at at uh, Texas Christian University. Uh, All-time winningest coach. Uh, just did a tremendous job during his time there and uh, just won't be the same without him on the sidelines there at at the uh, Horn Frog Stadium watching him patrol the sidelines. But but, uh, congrats to Gary and and, I'm very confident if he wants to keep coaching, he'll have plenty of opportunities. And so just want to wish him the best and and, uh, let him know I have the utmost respect for him and what he's done in his career. Uh, secondly, uh, Devin Lloyd has been named a semifinalist for both the uh, Bednarik Award and the Butkus Award, which is great news for Devin and for us. It's a it's a uh, prestigious honor if he's able to continue on and win that. But just to get this far has been um, really a tribute to his hard work and and everything he's put into this program through the years. Uh, as far as our game, uh, proud of the way our guys play. We came out and played with a great deal of physicality, and that was the uh, the mantra. All week long was physicality. We knew we were going up against a, a very stout run defense, uh, top 12 in the nation, I believe, uh, number one in the Pac-12, and uh, you know under 100 yards allowed, and we gained nearly 300 yards rushing. And so that was talk about the one biggest factor in the game, and the reason why we were able to win that game was our ability to run the ball. Uh, everything in our offense uh, plays off of that: the play-action boot game, and and it just sets up everything. And uh, Tavion had a big night. Was proud to him offensive line uh, another reshuffling of the, of the offensive line uh, had to we were out without Keaton Bills and so Nick Ford moved over to left guard Paul Miley came in at center did a great job and uh, the rest speaks for itself I mean the the uh, the numbers uh, were terrific uh, defensively we played a lot better than we did the week before still not uh, great defense but but certainly improved defense uh, had some big plays an interception that set up a touchdown for our offense a safety um, which was uh, was huge at the time. That was a, a, a play that really got the momentum uh, back in our favor, and uh, so and special teams was not really a big factor. Uh, we didn't punt the ball at all with our punt unit. We had two quick kicks with our offense, and Cam Rising did a great job with those. Uh, Covey had a couple returns. There one return, uh, and they only punted twice as well, and then not much going on in the kickoff game. So anyway, it was a good win. Uh, you know we're. Uh, heading to Stanford on a short week, which is is a challenge, but you know everyone's got some of those uh, challenges in their schedule somewhere, and this happens to be uh, one for us this week uh, on the road. Like I said, uh, and uh, one day less to prepare, so we got to be very good in our preparation, our utilization of the time that we do have, and. Uh, it's, uh, you know, hopefully uh, are able to keep some of this momentum that we got. Our offense have played, has played very well four weeks in a row now. I think it's four weeks in a row of over 450 yards, a total low, uh, another week of no turnovers. And so we seem to be really figuring out uh, some things on, on offense. There's always room to get better, but uh, got guys stepping up, making plays. And, and as I mentioned, the offensive line just really is uh, performing well. So questions? Kyle, you opened up speaking about uh, Gary Patterson. Uh-huh. Does that at all get you thinking about the longevity that you've had? <laughs> sure does. And it, uh, and it uh, lets you know that uh, nobody's uh, – 
safe, I guess the word, no matter no matter what the circumstances in college football, and and uh, it's uh, a ruthless business, but it, it should be, I guess. You get paid well, and and I'm not not complaining about it, but but it does. It, it was an eye opener, and and uh, came to me as a big surprise. Um, but like I said, he's a one heck of a coach, and if he wants to keep coaching, he'll have plenty of suitors to to uh, choose from, in my opinion. You, going back with that, I mean, now that makes you the second longest tenured coach in, in FBS. I mean, did, when you <coughs> in 2004, did you kind of envision this would be your long term? Not even close. Not even close. I figured I'd do it three or four years and, and maybe, you know, try the NFL or something like that but but uh, it's been a great run I've got no no regrets no com, no uh, no uh, you know if I had to do it over I'd do it just the way it laid out it was it's been a terrific ride when you hear second longest you start to <laughs> win you're doing it you're doing it I'm again. doing it again yeah <laughs> you, uh, I'm good at wincing put that into words what are you feeling when you uh, blessed fortunate um very blessed to have had the, the talent level of player that we've had come through here and the character level, not just talent, but character. And just uh, uh, the assistant coaches that have come through here. It's just been a, uh, I've just been fortunate to be a part of the whole thing and, and uh, surrounded by really good players and really good coaches. And, you know, at, at its core, coaching is about relationships and the relationships with your players and your assistant coaches and and uh, can't say how thankful I am for the for the uh, opportunity and the longevity that I've had and love this university it's been a it's been a, a great uh, however many years it's been 17 years as the head coach I guess and another 10 years on top of that uh, as defensive coach Kyle, how, do, how do you not let you know, obviously, you've got that two-game lead and everything's going well for you guys, and you've got that physicality that you wanted, you know, in that Oregon State game. But you go against a, a tough Stanford team that's obviously physical. That's kind of their MO, obviously. How, how do you kind of keep that momentum going, especially on a short week? Well, it's uh, we had a team meeting last night, and we certainly addressed those uh, very things you mentioned. Uh, and the only thing that matters for us this week is, is trying to find a way to beat Stanford. You know, you know, we don't care where we're sitting in the standings, and we don't. Well, we certainly don't focus on it. That's probably a better term. Um, we know they're a good football team. They've beaten uh, USC. They've beaten Oregon, and so they're 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 a team that uh, can can play really good football. Um, and that's really the nature of the Pac-12. If you're not ready any week, I mean, look what happened last week. I mean, who saw uh, Oregon State getting beat by what? By um, who beat Oregon State? Cal, Cal. Cal by Cal, and and then Washington State winning. I mean, it's just this conference is such that you've got to be at your best every week, or or you're going to get uh, you're going to get beat. Kyle, it's already a short week, but how do you kind of overcome the fact that tomorrow is a mandated day off? Well, we got a waiver through the NC2A, and uh, so we uh, get to practice. We'll, we'll educate our players and as well as give them opportunity to do what they need to do with their civic, is it called civic engagement? Is that what it's called? Okay, civic engagement, So, uh, which is a big word for me. <laughs> um, but we will give them that opportunity and make sure that uh, – that they're not missing out on anything because of uh, their responsibilities here. But fortunately, like I said, the NC2A uh, granted us and Stanford. And I don't know, you know, there's other teams in the country that play on Thursday and Friday, I believe, this week. Maybe they got the same treatment. But but uh, we're fortunate for that because that would have been really difficult to get ready and uh, prepare a team on a, a week that's short already and then to lose a, a day, really your most physical day. We're only being pads one day this week, and, and that's the day tomorrow. So, so uh, very relieved that we're able to practice. Kyle, you, you started Clark Phillips at uh, Nickel. Um, how, how do you think that fared, and is this something that could be long-term for him? Uh, I thought he handled it well, uh, particularly with the lack of experience he's had at that position. Uh, we hope it's not long-term. We hope to get Malone Montelli back. That's the reason why Clark made the move inside. Uh, we're paper thin at corner right now, but hopefully we get, like I said, Malone back and, and uh, Clark, uh, as, as talented as, as he is, he's, he does feel more comfortable on the outside. You know, that nickel spot is a whole different world. It's, there's a lot uh, of variables and, and much different than playing on the outside. The quick kick stuff with Sam, <clears throat> is that something that you will at least continue to look at and consider, or is that kind of a one-off? Well, we'll see. You know, we'll see. It certainly paid dividends uh, 
on Saturday night. Both kicks ended up inside the 10-yard line. Cam was his punter, was the punter for his high school team, and so it's nothing new to him. And a quick kick is nothing, you know, extraordinary. I mean, a lot of teams in the country do it and have success with it. But to answer your question, we'll see where it fits from week to week. Did he, did he place kick? <laughs> I don't know if he place kicked. Uh, even if he did, I wouldn't consider it. But uh, I couldn't tell you that. Uh, our kickers will we'll be okay. You know, we've hit a – we're not as good as typically we have been. We're about 56%, which is not good. We're 80% is our goal. So so we're not faring well in place kicking. I guess that's why you mentioned it. But, but uh, I'll ask him. Let me get back to you on that. Yeah, it's a good weapon, and in particular with the day and, uh, and, and age of analytics where more people are going for fourth downs and in that 40 to 40 range, you know, from the minus 40 to the plus 40 on a fourth and short, that's a great opportunity to utilize it. And then if, if teams uh, play safeties deep to guard against it, then you run an offensive play and, and you have an advantage there. So, so I, yeah, it is a little bit surprising that it's not more universal, but your quarterback has to feel comfortable doing it. And I guess a lot of quarterbacks have very little experience punting the football. Jake Browning did it phenomenal at, uh, the, at Washington. He was really good at it. In the fourth quarter, Jaden <clears throat> took both the PATs. Is that competition open or is that? Open competition, and uh, it's only fair. You know, when Jaden missed a couple early in the year, we gave Jordan an opportunity. Now he missed a couple that uh, one for sure we feel was very makeable. And so when you got two good kickers and uh, they're battling, it's you got to try to be as uh, fair as you can. And right now Jaden's getting his opportunity again to – and he was an all-pack 12 kicker last year. He was the first team all-pack 12 place kicker, so we know he's he's got it in him. Stanford's quarterback is in his first year as a starter. What kind of stands out to you about him that he's an Big, strong kid, uh, pocket guy. You know, he can move around, but he'd rather uh, beat you from the pocket. Uh, 6'6", uh, 230, 40, whatever he is. Uh, strong arm, like I said. And uh, he's... Uh, yeah, he's a good player. He's a really good player. He's very sought after out of high school. He was a big-time recruit coming out of high school, went on a church mission, and uh, now he's back, and, and he's their guy at this point. Are you surprised, are you surprised by their lack of a running game? They've got one 100-yard pass. Typically, Stanford is a grinded-out team and, and has a, a, a featured tailback that is pretty high-profile, and, and they run the ball right at you. And, and uh, most years, they rush for a lot more than what they're rushing for now. But every year is different, and some years you just don't have uh, the same blend of guys that lend itself to what you've been doing, and you got to modify and change, and I think that's what they're doing this year. With, with how uh, Stanford plays, similar to you guys being really, really physical, is it is it a really good benefit to be playing on Friday to have the extra day to recover? Uh, for the next week, uh, yeah, I guess you could say that. I mean, what what's short you at the at the front end, you gain in the back end, and so yeah, I think that uh, that will definitely be a, a chance to uh, get our guys extra rest and and uh, heal up. I guess you could say for the for the next one. Are they as physical as they've been in the front seven? Other teams are under for twenty yards. They're physical. Um, you know, you respect every opponent you, uh, opponent you play, and they're not having as good a year on defense as, as typically they have. I, I know that uh, in years past they've been very stingy uh, defensively, and uh, but this year a little little less so in the run game on defense. But still, we're expecting a physical battle, and and uh, you know it should be a great game. Do you expect Keaton Bills to be available on? We hope. Well, all we can do is hope. Yeah, game day decision. Same with, same with Malone. With the offensive line, what's been the biggest key to their turnaround? Oh, that's a good question because uh, I think it's just hard work and continuing to you know accept Coach Harding's uh, coaching and because it hasn't been continuity because we've had so much uh, flux there. We had a couple weeks where we were pretty settled in, but but uh, it seems to be a lot of different combinations that we've used. But uh, they just have a lot of pride in that room, and, and uh, there's talent. There's, there's good players in the room, and, and uh, I think Nick Ford looked really good at guard. He was really good at guard uh, on Saturday, and, and, uh, and Paul Miley, like I mentioned, came in and did a really good job at center. Had a couple errant snaps, but, but other than that, played really well. So I, th I just think it's uh, hard work, focus, 
attention to detail and and accepting their coaching. If Keaton Bills comes back this week or whenever, I mean, is that a scenario where you maybe do look at Nick moving back out in some of these positions, knowing that he's had a lot of success there and, and Jeff Powell that can do it? Good question. That's something we'll have to uh, determine when we when we're faced with it. And uh, right now, it's it's unknown. But but Nick is so talented. He's I think he's played all five positions at some point since he's been here and uh, that's a rarity when you got a guy that can play it's one thing to play all five but play all five at the level that he plays on this is pretty impressive so we'll we'll see what happens and who's available and and uh, just try to put the best five out there to kind of go off of what uh, he was saying about the uh, o-line just that for, for the offense as a whole for you guys to be really constantly putting points on the board scoring touchdowns and fishing drives that way it kind of started when, when Cam took over. Is that any kind of coincidence, or, or is it just the fact that everyone just started to play? I think there's a few things. I think Cam taking over was one of them. I think uh, us uh, going even more tight end sets than we were early on, two and three tight end sets pretty regularly now. If you look at the breakdowns, we're pretty heavy, and, and we should be. Those three tight ends are terrific. And so you got to play to the strength of your team and get the best players out there and, and – uh, you know, maximize what you got, and I, so I think it's a combination of, of all those all those things, and and uh, you know the efficiency of the old line. We're running the ball so much better now than we did early on. That uh, that's that's a big uh, factor, but probably the biggest factor, the biggest factor, is the way Camp's playing. I mean, you look at the statistically, uh, he's one of the top ten quarterbacks in the country. After the back-to-back non-conference losses, would you have been surprised? Uh, not necessarily because we felt we were a good football team at that point. We just were not playing well. We knew we had good good players and we just weren't we didn't know who we were yet, and particularly on offense and and started to figure some things out and then we had the quarterback change like we just talked about and uh, we just started to gain momentum uh, from that point on and figure out what we do best and then who our playmakers are and who we need to get the ball to and and uh, not that we didn't have a good idea going in, but we, we started uh, doing a better job of doing uh, what we knew we had to do. And so we didn't do a good job early on of, of getting uh, things situated. After the game, a lot of the players reacted you know, pretty favorably in, in Lumea's uh, pancake block. They're, they're pretty excited about that. With, with that kind of that effort, is, is that confidence and seeing stuff like that that allows people to kind of make plays kind of led to the offense, kind of having that, knowing that, I guess what I'm asking is how much does the confidence of the team now help this offense? Oh, a ton! You know, you're playing with confidence and and passion. You know, they, they're really having fun. I mean, I, I I would assume you can see that out there. They're they're enjoying what they're doing. Uh, they're not pressing. They're not tight. They're just letting the game come to them and making plays. And really, we've had so few drops. You know, we had uh, T.J. Pledger had a couple. Well, one might not have been considered a drop, but but very few drops in the games. And, and the receiving, the, the pass efficiency, has really gone hand in hand with the the increased efficiency in the run game and it all ties together like i said and we're and uh we seem to be hitting on uh just about all cylinders right now on the other side of the ball um where where can they improve i guess the quickest the most in a week-to-week type thing well, I think just doing your job and you're one eleventh, and at times it's human nature when things start to go awry, you get a little bit of panic and say, "Okay, I got to do help someone else do their job and not attend to my job." And I think that's and that just makes that's the exact opposite of what should happen when when you meet adversity and things are not going well. That's when you need to reel yourself in and return back to your fundamentals and your techniques, and everybody do their job, not try to do too much. And I think that was what was happening a few times this year with our defense is people just, hey, you know. If I don't try to make a heroic play, you know, we're not going to get out of this drive. And consequently, you try to do that and you leave your job vulnerable. And so I think that uh, we can do a better job and continue to focus on doing your 111th, take care of your job, trust the guy next to you to take care of his job, and things will usually work out. Is that mostly a product of youth and experience? It's a big product of that, yeah. that's uh, And that's something that we have... Uh, trying to educate these guys every week because there's a, a group that doesn't have a lot of experience. Kyle, Vontae's playing with a cast on his hand. He got dinged up on Saturday. Can you maybe just speak to, you know, the toughness that he's shown here for the last month? He's, he is a tough kid. He's, he's a guy that... Uh, 
has uh, come so far since he joined our program and, and made and has had so much development take place. And uh, now he's battling. He's battling more than just the, the, the hand injury. And he's just out there every single week. Uh, he, you know, sometimes can't make it through the whole game due to the things that he has going on. But but uh, he's a guy that's got a lot of a lot of guts and a lot of toughness to him. When you lose a guy like when you lose a guy like for even just a single half, how much do you have to adjust that? I mean, we saw obviously you do something on the coin toss you don't normally do. Mm -hmm. um, how much do you schematically have to adjust to, to losing a like that? Well, it, it depends on what package you're in. In the nickel package, where a four-two look, uh, Karani Reed is is playing so well that uh, you know we feel comfortable with him in there with Nephi, and as long as we have those two guys in there. And then in the forty-three package, uh, Hayden Fury came in and did some nice things. But you're going to miss Devin Lloyd. I don't care what else is going on. He's an All-American, and, and you're going to miss his production and his leadership. And so uh, it was good to see that guys hold down the fort while he was out. And uh, you know when he came back in. Even though the, the numbers were about the same uh, first and second half as far as points, uh, he, he gives us a spark and he's a playmaker. There is Kyle Whittingham, Ute coach, Kalani Sataki, the Cougars coach, up next. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's a Friday night edition of Utah football as the Utes hit the road to square off against David Shaw and the Stanford Cardinal in a key Pac-12 battle. Catch the Ute pregame show Friday night with a postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We have heard from Blake Anderson and from Kyle Whittingham in the 6 o'clock hour. Time now to hear from BYU football coach Kalani Sataki. Uh, really excited about this game. Um, opportunity to be at home again, and, and really uh, it's a senior day. So, um, uh, you know, I want to send them out with a win. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to the game, but looking also forward to improving and um building off of what we did last week. So it was a good game last week. I'm glad we got the win. Um, you know, I, I think I spoke about all that uh, Saturday night. So it almost feels like it was not long ago. So, but I'll answer any questions about the game that we just had. And then but really looking forward to having our last game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium uh, for some of these young men. They'll never be able to play a game in that stadium again. So I uh, just want to make sure that we keep the focus on that and respect our opponents. They're well coached. They, they've had some some tough games, but also they've been competitive. They played Nevada and, and um, played competitively in, in the first half and, and kept things interesting to the fourth fourth quarter and then they've you know they, they were hanging in there with Weaver as well last week so um, I think most important thing to do in f game of football is for us to perform at our best every week including this week and then uh, respect our opponents and looking forward to being on the field with them so take any questions you guys have all right thanks we'll start with uh, Jared Lloyd and then Mitch and Jay Drew Lonnie, we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but I was thinking about it over the weekend after the way Virginia played and, and what you guys needed to do to win the game. You, 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 you've talked about how you like being aggressive. You'd like going for it on fourth down. You like having that control and that, you know, kind of pushing, you know, kind of pushing the, the boundaries. Is it hard sometimes to say, Hey, we need to drop eight. We need to put the pressure on the back end instead of the front end on defense. I mean, it worked for you. You mentioned that after the game, but is that hard just philosophically wise for you sometimes? Uh, but I, I don't look at uh, the scheme as of when I talk about aggressive, it's more mindset, you know, drop baits, not a, not a, uh, a popular thing for some people, but it's hard to score on, you know, cause, uh, but you like that or you like giving up one play for a touchdown. I mean, that's, uh, I, I would love to blitz every down. That'd be awesome. 
right? But uh, there's always a, a, a there's always a payment for for things like that. And so uh, I think there's a mixture of both. I, I think for me, mindset is to be aggressive, but also to be complementary of our offense, defense, and special teams all working together. I think if you can be complementary, you can win win more games rather than trying to be focused only on your own phases. I think A Rod's got to worry about the offense. He's got to worry about the defense. Ed's got to worry about special teams and what uh, Ed and I have to do is, uh, as head coach and assistant head coaches manages the entire uh, um, the entire group all three phases together and uh, I think if we can do that we'll be fine and our mindset as a staff is for us to be aggressive um, but more importantly is for us to work together and try to find a way to get have a success and, and get a win that's that's the goal so I, I I don't really care about stats except for the win you know and, and then there's a few stats that contribute probably more to the to that to to the wind than than others and that's those are the ones that we try to work with the most so also getting ready for this weekend um the balance between wanting to play your best game you mentioned after the game last week that going into this week you want your guys giving it their all and you know this is the week before the bye you want to put it all out there but the at the same time there's a respect for the game level how do you balance that as well no, I, I think I think play your best, and then we'll see what we do as the game goes on. I mean, uh, I think you know, uh, a lot of people know that our our style isn't to try to run up the score on people, and we try to secure the win first and then be respectful of what's going on on the field. I mean, I, that's every week. It doesn't matter if it's uh, Virginia, Utah, or Idaho State. That's what we want to do every week. And, um, you know, some weeks it works better than others. But uh, the, the focus is to go in this game playing uh, our best guys for 60 minutes, you know, and, and that, until we secure the win, that's, that's, that's what our goal is. And that's – I'm expecting our guys to go into this game, empty the tank because we have a, a bye week next week. And um, you know that's 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 focused. Other than that, uh, that yeah, I don't don't know what else to say. I, I think we've done a good, pretty good job at being respectful when we're when we've secured wins. Honey, uh, uh, A Rod earlier just mentioned uh, in it, in that coordinator's corner show that uh, said something that we're going to miss James James MP. Uh, is, is MP done for the for the year then? Um, well, I think it will come down to probably he's uh, – I don't know if we can say that yet, Mitch, if that's the, the deal. You know, if he's done for the year yet, there's still a bowl game in mind. But I, I know him – you guys saw him in the game on the sideline. He's on a, a little scooter thing. So, um, I, I I don't know. I saw, saw – I saw, I've seen some, some comebacks and some guys get healthier than others. So, I think he's sitting that window where there's possibly something later down in this year or – or not at all. So I, I don't think we can say he's for sure done for the year. And when you talk about like comebacks, I remember a couple of years ago, you, you played guys like Chris Wilcox and Troy Warner in the final four games. I know back in spring, you'd noted that Micah Harper got an injury, could potentially play. Is there an update there on Micah that he could maybe get some run potentially if the opportunity poses itself? Yeah, um, it's just I, I think his uh, injury comes around that time where we can utilize the four games, but um, at what risk? You know, uh, he's a guy that started for us and has had. Uh, I mean, I, I think you kind of put him in harm's way if you do it too early. And so we'll, we'll be talking with the sports medicine department and with. If you ask Micah, he he he'd want to be playing right now, but. Um, I think we're kind of waited out a little bit and see how we go and get some some expert advice on it and and go from there. But the kid's a special player; he's a starter for us, and so we want to make sure that he has a bright future and that we don't try to bring him back too early. Even though his he wants to play, and even though uh, Coach Guilford, myself, and Ian and Ed want him on the field, I don't know if that's the right thing yet. So we're still figuring that out. Lonnie, uh, you've only got three seniors on your roster. It's kind of hard to figure out which guys will be back and what won't. What has your philosophy been? Are you welcoming all the guys back because they can use the COVID year and come back? Or just how are you approaching that and handling that? 
Yeah, that's a little that's a little different because uh, the COVID year allows uh, many of these guys to come back and play again next year. There's some guys that um, are looking to to just be done um, and move on with life, and then there's other guys that uh, are still figuring it out. So um, a lot of the guys graduate, um, you know, this December and and um, want to move on. But I think we're, we're and then there's some that are just still des- deciding what to do. Uh, I think for us, we'll just um, probably just give them all a, um, I don't know, a, a good, a good goodbye just in case, and then ho- hopefully they come back. So we'll probably there'll be more than the three guys will be recognized. Um, everyone else other than the three are welcome to come back, obviously, you know. But and we'll be discussing what's the best thing for them, and. Uh, yeah, but but I think what we don't want to do is because the last game comes in um, week nine for us. We don't want to all of a sudden they make a decision after week eleven that that they're done and they want to move on and that we never gave them the proper uh, send off. You know what I mean? So we'll probably give them a good send off and and just in case and then try to recruit them back to come back again. <laughs> Then I wanted to ask you about Is that answer, Jay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I wanted to ask you about Jaron Hall. How well he's playing. You mentioned he's finally healthy. He's been overshadowed a little bit by Tyler's just phenomenal playing. Um, what can you say about Jaron Hall and just where he's at right now and, and hitting his stride really as a as a top notch quarterback? Yeah, you, you mean a, a running back's getting more attention than a quarterback at BYU? When, when did we ever think we'd see that, you know? But uh, uh, Jaron's done a great job. He's humble. He doesn't need attention. Uh, he'll, he'll get it, and he's had it. But I've been really, really pleased with the way that he has handled himself on the field and the decision-making that he's had. I mean, it's hard to, to, to manage that offense, um, and he, he puts us in a, in a great spot, makes the right calls, and he works really well with – with A-Rod and Fessy and, and that staff getting the offense set. And then, you know, he, he also has had the uh, um, he had we had to trust him with his health and, and deciding what was the right thing to do with his legs and, and being able to run. And, and like I said he, he's feeling really, really good now. Last week was where he was close to 100 percent and um, he can do a lot of things. He can create more space and keep and create more time for him to throw the ball. And, and um, you know, he, he did a good job. I thought he I mean, no turnovers. That's a, that's a good sign for us too and so that that comes of young quarterback not taking too many chances i think there are some throws that i know he wish he had back but um man he was he was on point and um you know, and, and and we we kind of made things really difficult for him because we had to we gave him the responsibility of being smart with his own health, but then also knowing that Baylor's not 100% cleared yet, and there's nothing against Jacob Conover. We feel good about him too, but uh, you know, we we need to be smart with our offense. And I mean, we've had a lot of guys that have been banged up. I mean, that if you look at it, we were, we were missing two starters on O line this game, and I don't think people give give a lot of those other guys. A, Connor and, and and Campbell stepping in and, and filling in. They did a great job. So um, yeah, we've, we've had to play with, with some depth and Jaron's done a good job at, at putting all those guys in the right spots. I mean, Gunner didn't play, so you saw a little bit more of Keanu Hill and, and others. And, and um, you know, I, we have some good depth and we some good coaches and it happens with a bunch of good quarterbacks too. And, and Jaron's doing a great job. Jake. Yeah, Kalani, building off that just a little bit, I wanted to ask you, in terms of Jaron and his running ability, how much more dangerous does that make your offense when he is able to run it? As you said, you didn't clear him earlier, but once he is cleared and he's able to go, how much more open is your offense with him running it? Well, I mean, it's just it's – just... You look at at football. Look what look at Brandon Armstrong did to us. You know when we were playing man coverage and he took off. I mean he scored he scored on on a run and scrambled and created some space and um, it, it stresses your coverage a little bit more and, and so. Um, 
I think any time a quarterback can create more time and space to throw the ball is very dangerous, but also any time he can be a threat to run will cause problems. And then uh, all our quarterbacks can run now. Don't, don't get me wrong. Baylor and, and, and Jacob can run too. So don't don't think that those guys aren't athletic. They're just an all-athletic group. And um, you know, we feel good. That's part of our game plan. We feel good about all of, all of them being able to run the ball. They have to this this day and age. I also wanted to ask you, the tight end position last year was so prolific, in particular Isaac Rex, the 12 touchdowns, what he was doing towards the tail end of last year. His production has gone down this year. Are you worried about that in any way, or is he contributing in other ways? No, he's contributing in other ways and then blocking and, and also running routes. I mean, he's still a target for us and, and, and a lot different. I mean, all, all the tight ends. I think uh, what he and, and Dallin and Mason do uh, for our tight end group, they, they do so many things. Um, if you're just going off of catches, then, uh, you know, when, when a guy catches that many touchdowns last year, it's not like he's a secret anymore, you know. So we, we like throwing to our receivers and our tight ends and our backs and teams are, are starting to cover them. But you know, he had some opportunities in this last game and then just would, couldn't connect on, on some of the, the throws. Um, but he's, he's always a threat. He, he and Dallin and Mason, they, they pose uh, crazy threats to defense because they can block and they're physical. But at the same time, they have soft hands and, and do well in space on the routes. And so that's, you know, we just keep asking them to just keep doing fulfilling their role and then the plays will come. I, I mean, guys will make, make plays and depending on the matchup and what Jaron sees, out there, he'll throw the ball to the guy that, that that's open, go through his, his progression. Hey, let's, uh, we got a question from uh, Jackson Payne. Go ahead, Jackson. Hey, coach. Obviously, both Nakua's and Neil started at receiver against UVA, and it's unconfirmed, but it's possible that that's the first time three Polynesian receivers have started in a college game. Um, just tell us about how you feel about that and especially just with what the Nakua's did against UVA and having them in the program and just the impact that they had. Uh, I didn't even think about that. Um, you said that they're, they're the first – did you say they're the first starters that were Polynesian that played receiver? Yeah, somebody, somebody – there's been some, like, rumblings on Twitter. It's the first time that three Polynesian receivers started the same game together. Oh, okay. That, I don't. I don't know about. I don't. I don't know about that. I can't. But Isaac Rex is Polynesian too, so uh, I don't. I don't know. I can't confirm all that. I just. They just happen to be Polynesian. I, I really. That didn't factor into my mind. I just want guys that can catch the ball, that can block, and can uh, they to do everything, do their role the right way. So um, pretty cool. I, I don't know. I just. I don't look into those things. I just want to play the right guys they just had and, and in terms of Nakua's I, I love having them on the team uh, I love everybody on this team these guys uh, all bring something unique um, Samson's been a pleasure to coach he's just so much energy and it's contagious and he just happened to walk in just now so <laughs> just trying to just bragging about how how much I love you man how awesome you are so yeah <laughs> no but uh, those guys have been awesome they, they, they can and they can play football you know but it, it's just it's just good having them here and, and I think I, I mentioned it in, in the press conference last week that uh, you know Samson hasn't been 100% healthy but you could never tell by his approach to every game his uh his uh, energy and how much just the positivity that comes from him, um, whether he whether he's playing or not in that in that game, it's just it, it's something that's unique and it, and it our players are feeding off of that and they're becoming more like that and so and that way he's been such a great leader and example to our team and so I that's, love having him here and, and he and Puka are doing amazing things together and Puka's the same way those guys just have always smiling the best part of their day you feel like is when they're with you here in the facility um, at practice I think they just carry themselves in such a positive um, uh, optimistic manner that's that fits right in with what I, I want for this team so it's, it's, it's a great thing to have there's BYU football coach Kalani Sataki what is trending all the headlines next